0: One day in 1887, Arthur Conan Doyle sat down to write a tale of a young man with very particular skills and interests. That story has inspired so many writers over the past centuries, and now today, that character has become a multi-million dollar business. A Study in Scarlet was Doyle's first story, but many other attempts have been made to characterize the greatest detective that ever lived, Sherlock Holmes. Hello and welcome to the Marshall Public Library's Radio Hour. This is Greg Grasso and I'm at the studio of KISU 91.1 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Idaho State University in Pocatello, Idaho. So, today I have the pleasure of talking with two very talented individuals, Lori King and Les Klinger. How are you guys? Great. We
1: are, we are fine out here in California, less further south than I, but um, it, is, it is lovely here.
0: And, and Les, where are you today? I'm in Malibu. Oh, poor guy. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Someone has to live here. Yes, yeah, someone <laughs> has to. Well, uh, folks, Lori and Les have uh, co-edited a new book, a collection of stories written by some of the best contemporary authors today. Uh, the name of the book is A Study in Sherlock. It highlights 18 authors' short stories, and if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan, <laughs> I guarantee you're going to love this book. Uh, Lori, you are a best-selling author crime novelist. Uh, Your latest novel, Pirate King, is a New York York Times bestseller. Um, If you would, for a second, please uh, give our listeners a glimpse uh, of that book, and please um, maybe uh, talk about Mary Russell. How did did she evolve? And I understand half of your books are written about her.
1: In in fact, uh, they are Mary Russell's memoirs. She... She is a woman who starts writing her memoirs in the late 1980s, um, referring back to her youth when she encountered Sherlock Holmes on the Sussex Downs and became his apprentice and later his partner, and full partner, as they are now married, which is giving away all kinds of spoilers, but live with it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: there's been the teens and twenties. Uh, we're now up to the late 1924. Right. And she is a young female feminist, twentieth-century version of Sherlock Holmes. So the two of them lock on all the time. Mm. Mm.
0: And uh, I suspect uh, that Mary's as brilliant as Sherlock. Oh
1: well, yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> more so. Is is there a little? Is there some Laurie King in Mary Russell?
1: I couldn't. I can only wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the publisher a while back had a campaign that they started, saying, meet the world's greatest detective and her husband, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I
2: love it. I love it. Oh man. It's interesting, in the beginning, Lori uh, was excoriated by the members of the Baker Street Irregulars. Uh, people were shocked and horrified that uh, she had uh, done that dastardly deed of marrying off Holmes. Right. And I, I think uh, there were a lot of Sherlockians who were just not willing to look at those books. And uh, as as Laurie kept at it, persistent in writing those <laughs> stories, people discovered that maybe they weren't so bad after all. They're actually wonderful books. I'm a big fan. And I think, uh, I think
0: people
2: and, were and the, so... <clears throat> sorry. No, that's all right. I was going to say, the tide turned to the point where Laurie is now a member of the Baker Street Regulars, an honored member
1: a, a hard, hard working member I think what relieved people so much was that they they weren 't um porn and porn <laughs> and and the you know the really steamy sections are things like um him brushing her hair i mean that 's about as steamy as it gets so.
0: well i you know i, I <laughs> i've probably seen every uh um uh, classic um, Holmes movie, uh, love them, and the black and whites I love even better than uh, contemporary films. But what uh, what is the Baker Street Irregulars? Most you know, mo- a lot of people just don't know.
2: Okay, well, the Baker Street Irregulars is a literary society that was founded in 1934. A um, drinking club. Oh. As, right. Essentially a drinking club back then, founded okay. by Christopher Morley, one of the great bookmen of the age. Hmm. And um, it was a group of people who loved Sherlock Holmes and loved drinking and loved getting together to talk about their favorite books. And it evolved into, uh, today, it's about 300 members around the world by invitation only. Um, hmm. And... It gathers, uh, the the BSI gathers once a year in New York for a black-tie dinner, that's next week, uh, to celebrate Holmes' birthday. Uh, And one of the, I mean, the principal endeavor of the Baker Street Irregulars um, is publishing. Uh, The BSI puts out four or five books a year, plus the Baker Street Journal, the Baker Street Journal, the world's leading academic journal devoted to the study of Sherlock Holmes. Um, And it's a bunch of like-minded people who love homes, love the stories, love doing things with homes.
0: I I, li- I like it. I like it. Um, it sounds like a very intellectual, uh, club. <laughs> Except for the drinking. <laughs> I love it. Well, <laughs> well, uh, Lori, <well. laughs> well, uh, Lori, um, talk a little bit about the authors, the 18 authors that were picked for this book. um, <laughs> How did that happen? Did you contact these guys? Did the word get out? Did you get flooded? Uh, How'd that happen?
1: Well, why don't you start with having Les um, tell you about the the very beginning of it, because he was The origin story,
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it.
2: Let's do it. This came about um, in, uh, I think it was 2008. Um, I was asked to put together a Sherlock Holmes panel for um, a mystery convention. Um, And it's not the first time I've done that. Uh, Lori was going to be there. So, okay, the two of us would do a panel. And then I started thinking about who might be on it. And I looked down the list of who else was going to be attending the convention. And I said to the organizers, okay, I want Michael Connolly and Jan Burke and Lee Child. And they said, well, those aren't Sherlockians, and those are the biggest, those are our guests of honor. And I said, I know, but I know that they're all secretly <laughs> Sherlockians. <laughs> Um, and we did this panel, and it was great fun. Um, just as I I knew, all three of them could talk very intelligently about Holmes and the influence on their writing and all that.
1: Who are you and leaving after out, we did
2: that, pardon?
1: Who, who are you leaving out, all three of them? Uh, <laughs>
2: well, the, obviously Hi. you and I talked, because we always <laughs> talk about Holmes. I won't say cool, intelligently, same. we just talk. But... Uh, <laughs> I, I, what I meant was, remarkably, they talked They talked equally intelligently about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and um, the idea came to me that it would be great to get them to write stories. Michael Connolly, unfortunately, his schedule didn't permit him to contribute to the anthology, but Jan Berk Lee Child signed on early on. Uh, Neil Gaiman was one of the very first to, to say yes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and then, Lori, you can tell the story from there. Yeah.
1: Well, once, once we had a sort of Core group, um, Les and I could work out from that because what we were aiming for was a broad spectrum of people. I mean, the idea of the book is, as the subtitle says, stories inspired by the Holmes canon. Right. That is, these were, we were not after people who were writing pastiches, we were not after people who were known for their Sherlockian bent, although um, Neil Gaiman had written a prize winning short story. Uh, with Sherlock Holmes before,
2: we and is a Baker Street regular.
1: Yeah, but we we excused that. Um, <laughs> but we we talked to various people. We would send you know a group of four or five people letters and say, "Would you be interested?" Um, to try and get a balance, rather than just shooting a letter out to everybody, we do. We wanted to have some people who wrote dark stuff, some people who wrote complex things. Mm-hmm. Some people who wrote very, um, you know, what what is called cozy, the more traditional mysteries. Um, and and we even asked um, <laughs> dear Colin Cotterall, who writes this lovely, very funny series set in 1970, well, wow. um, if he would like to do one that was graphic, because I knew from his website that he did a lot of drawings. So I said, Colin, would you like to do a graphic story, because if you, if you would, I would see if I could bully Random House into including that, because it's a more complicated printing process. And he said, yes, yes. So we gradually worked out from our core group and aimed at this balance, having no clue as to what anyone would actually write, you understand. Sure. I mean we weren't saying to them, okay, tell me what you're going to do, and then we'll Try and find a nice fit to go in. Yeah. yeah. Um, we just complete gobble, and um, and it was fascinating to see what they came up with. It was, you know, it was so glorious to get these stories that would arrive. Yeah. And to know that we were the first ones to read these yeah. stories, yeah. and and it was like presents arriving all through the spring.
0: Well, I got to tell you, I uh, when I first opened the book, uh, my thumb went right to the middle, and here here's. Here's this. Here's this comic book stitched inside this this paperback, and it's like, what? It's Colin great. Cotterell, give me a break. This guy is is insanely talented. I he mean, is. Yeah. It
1: is such a clever story, and, and yeah, you read. You three. You have, it takes you three pages into it before you think. I
0: get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going, what the heck is this guy talking? Oh, now I get it. Now I get it. Yeah. I mean, crazy. And then I, and then I went to Neil Gaiman, yeah, who I love. And uh, um, I love his writing style. So I, I just focused right in on that, uh, The Case of Death and Honey, uh, uh, his little mini book in this um, uh, and then I bounce bounce back and forth. Uh, Lee Child, Jan Burke. I mean, uh, this this is very cool. What I like about the book it's it's a potpourri. It's a it's a um, uh, a great mix of, of of styles, like you said. And so it's going to attract a wide audience. I think. I think.
1: Well, that was well, we the idea so. to, yeah. to show how inspiring those original stories were. Yeah. Um, in so many different ways. Yeah. You cannot be a crime writer in the 21st century, without knowing that your foundation stands firmly on the
2: 60 stories mm-hmm. of Conan Doyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to see how many of the stories that came in don't even mention Holmes, mm-hmm. um, or Holmes is, you know, just sort of very much in passing, um, or not on screen at all, right. not on stage at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Margaret Merritt's story, uh, Holmes is, uh, is, has not come back yet from the Reichenbach Falls. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh in charles todd's story uh we're led to the shocking revelation that holmes is a fictional character right uh and uh, laura Lippmann's story holmes is not present at all mm-hmm. lionel chatwin's story not present um in uh in uh, jackie winspear's story holmes is only a character in a book mm-hmm. uh, and so on so we were and 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 jan burke's story is really interesting it's, a, it's called the imitator it's a story about a man who wants to wants to be sherlock holmes yeah
1: and well, actually turns out to be more of a watson
0: <laughs> well i'm 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 you know i'm interested uh uh i haven't done a lot of historical uh research into uh sherlock and holmes uh, i mean watson but <laughs> did they did they really live i mean uh Uh, A lot of people think that these two characters actually existed.
2: Well, I I teach a course on Holmes, Mm -hmm. and um, after the first hour, usually, and the first hour I usually spend talking about Holmes was born in 1854 in the west country of England. Mm -hmm. Don't know a lot about his parents, talk about his schooling, his early cases and all that. And someone always raises their hand and says, excuse me, Professor Klinger. Uh, I'm confused. Is Sherlock Holmes real or fictional? And my answer is always the same. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. How hey hey Les, how did twenty uh how did two twenty one B uh arrive? Um, what's what's so special about that uh that about that street plate?
2: Well, um it it, it didn't exist, I guess is the yeah. is the uh is the right Thing to start with, yeah. um, at the time it was a fictional address, and uh, uh, it was selected by Conan Doyle and Doctor Watson. I think deliberately because they didn't want to have everybody sort of all the fans sort of mm-hmm. pounding on the door of Holmes's residence. So they made up an address. Um, two, uh, Baker Street didn't go as high as two twenty-one in those days, mm-hmm. um, so they just picked a number. And and one of the Uh, great mysteries to Sherlockians over a hundred years have been trying to identify the actual building that that was 221 Um, because we assume it was on Baker Street that may not be a a correct assumption it may be that Watson also changed the name of the street but the descriptions of surroundings and neighboring streets pretty much make it clear that it it was really on Baker Street the B part is interesting because um, it's always misunderstood. I, I have told the story that uh, I'm the, I was the technical advisor for the uh, Robert Downey uh, Sherlock Holmes films. And in the first film, uh, the camera dollies up to the outside of the building and we see 221B on this, on this uh, nameplate. And I said, well, gee, we need to lose the B because that's not correct. B really stood for bis." French. It meant um, sort of up and beyond, back. I mean, it was an apartment designation. There'd be 221A, 221 the front door. 221B, inside the building. Sure. Uh, but they said, no, we're leaving it because everyone expects it. I mean, it's now international code for the address of Sherlock Holmes.
0: Well, that uh, that should be the uh, international uh, uh, Pin for the uh, Baker Street Irregulars. You know, a little oval with 221B in there. You can put on your tie or your collar. That'd be cool.
2: <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing is that there there are other, there are various icons that have been come associ- become associated with Holmes indelibly. Sure. Um, certainly, the, pi- the, the pipe and the daughter, hat, <laughs> right? The pipe, the hat, mm-hmm. the magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've tested this out on uh, second graders. My my daughter is a school teacher. Drew on the blackboard just the curved pipe and the magnifying glass, and said, "Who am I here to talk about?"
0: Hmm. And they knew. Yeah, they did know. <laughs> well, um, Les, uh, real quickly, um, you you teach. You said you teach. Uh, you're a lawyer, right?
2: I'm I'm a lawyer. The teaching and, and the writing is is an avocation. Yeah, uh, I haven't. Uh, been as smart as Laurie and figured out how to write New York Times bestselling books.
0: So. <laughs> well, she's sh-
2: dear little treatise
0: beat. She should be a good mentor for you, I would suspect. Uh, she's done great. Uh, Laurie, um, yep. talk to me about how you got started on this ride. I mean, what w- was it early on? You know, were, were you a child? Did you watch these films? Uh, you know, during the fifties and. Uh, how did it all come about for you?
1: How, how did I get to be part she, of the Sherlock Holmes yeah, how'd you story? Yeah,
0: how'd you get hooked on this? Because <laughs> uh, Well, I,
1: I never read the Sherlock Holmes stories. I mean, I, I think everyone probably reads the Speckled Band in high school or, you know, Hound of the Baskervilles or whatever. Oh, sure. Um, but I had not read them until I uh, started to write the Mary Russell stories. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got my first line down, I looked at it and thought, hmm, 15 years old when I met Sherlock Holmes, I probably should read the Conan Doyle stories. <laughs> 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 so, so I went out and bought the collected works, a two-volume
2: teeny, teeny,
1: teeny print sure. um, mass market paperback of the 56 short stories and four novels. And um, so I, I came to Holmes as an adult. I was in my 30s. And it's very interesting to come to those stories and those characters as an adult reader because there's all kinds of things that you don't expect. I mean, you expect them to be clever. You expect him to be a thinking machine. Mm-hmm. And um, you expect them to have the atmosphere of the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. But what you don't really anticipate is that there is a very distinct underlying sense of humor in them. I mean, this, this dry English humor, um, it just pops up in all kinds of places, completely unexpectedly, and it makes you giggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that Holmes is not just there because he's, um, because he's a thinking machine, and, and that's what he does. Um, He is in these stories because he is committed to um, the extermination of evil, and he is obsessed by how to combat wickedness, Um, and that emotional response of Holmes to the crime is something you don't really expect. I mean, that is the driving force in the man's life, not um, his... It just wants to show off its cleverness, sure. and that I think is why the stories have still have people writing about them, you know, on into the second century after they were written.
0: Right. Well, less now. I'm okay. I, I start reading uh, in the early '60s. I was born in '54, so I'm reading in the early '60s. Get hooked on Sherlock Holmes. Watch the movies. I didn't now th- this is this blew me away in the 70s I hear uh cocaine you know uh, associated with Holmes okay I mean right. all his old films you never saw him sleep you know you, you, you know he's up when Watson gets up uh, I mean this guy's up all the time how did how did the cocaine come in was it because of the popularity of cocaine during the uh turn of the uh, century and into yes. the yeah okay okay
2: yes so um I mean, it was an interesting decision by uh, Conan Doyle, if mm-hmm. I can actually say that, Laurie, uh, mm-hmm. to, to make his hero have uh, feet of clay. Uh, the, the drugs were, were opium, cocaine, morphine. Those were not restricted substances.
0: Very could popular get them at the that local,
2: time. Yeah, you could get them at the mm-hmm. local chemist shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly and many people experimented right. with them. Right. and um, some thought that they were a problem. And and Conan Doyle was very farsighted in seeing that it was addictive and, and a problem to be using that kind of drug. So he creates a character that um, uses the drug only to stimulate himself when he is not working. I mean, Holmes isn't a guy whose drug habit gets in the way of his work.
0: Absolutely uh, not.
2: But Watson, interestingly believes from day one that this is a pernicious habit and sets out as his personal mission to wean Holmes from the drug and, of course, does so successfully um, over the course of the stories uh, which span an arc. You, you mentioned 1887. The first story was published then, but it actually takes place in 1881. Mm. Um, the last story occurs in 1914. So over that uh, 30 years, three-year span of time, we actually see Holmes um, put the drug aside. and and uh, But as Watson says, it's a demon that's only sleeping um, and he knows it can wake up any time and he worries about it.
0: Sure. Wow. <laughs> um, so Watson was not only, well, I wouldn't say his uh, overwatch, but uh, uh, there was, there was a true connection, a personal, uh, a real good personal friendship between the two. And I suspect because Watson, you know, admired this guy and liked him and uh, that made him kind of shadow. Uh,
2: yes, and it's interesting. I mean, Laurie has taken, uh, Laurie has looked at Holmes a different way. I mean, yeah. I like to say that one of the great successes of the stories um, is the introduction of Watson. Um, it's what makes the stories brilliant um, because we can, we can relate better to Holmes, this irascible, prickly kind of person, um, through the eyes of, of Watson, who is in some sense sort of every man or somebody that we'd like to be like, warm and courageous and strong-hearted and physically fit and all those things. But um, the three, there are three of the 60 stories in which Watson isn't um, present. Mm. And or he's not the narrator, and they're not as successful now. Laurie's done it a different way, um, having Holmes with a different kind of companion.
0: Laurie, pick it up.
1: Well, it it seems to me that one of the things Holmes was lacking was an equal, because although Watson is definitely a worthwhile companion to him, I mean, I I, I really enjoy the Jude Law portrayal of that relationship, and I think that having Watson as a strong character strengthens the entire view of who Holmes is. But it seemed to me that if Holmes were confronted with someone who was really his equal, um, he would come to life in some interesting ways. And so that's where Russell came from.
0: Yeah, that that challenge, uh, um, they challenge each other. I mean, they challenge each other uh in every case um and 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 yeah i like that analogy that uh that Holmes being so uh articulate so intellectual so uh uh geometrical in his in his uh, uh solving you know problem solving abilities that that he really did need someone to maintain that character and to keep going on i mean it just I know that I have to challenge myself with other people every day to, to do what I do. So that makes perfect sense. I like that. Yeah. Well, um, Lori, I want uh, – uh, earlier, before we got on air, uh, Les was talking about a, uh, another book. Oh, yeah. What, what's going on? Study in Sherlock 2. I love it.
1: We're, we're at the stage of putting – Putting the authors together now, we have a uh, we have our core with that, and we're talking about um, this, this sort of not not extremes, but the how to balance what we have because we have some interesting people. And um, you'll be pleased to hear uh, another graphic story is going to be in it. So I haven't told Random House this yet.
0: Oh. <laughs> Huh. But um, is it Neil? Is, <laughs> no.
1: no, there's no
0: repeat. The time. Uh, oh wow! So you're gonna have uh, how many? How many authors are you gonna have? 18 again, or so
2: It was. It's actually 16 stories. 16, um, yeah. two of them were co-written. Yes. Um, so we're we're aiming at 16 authors again, and uh, one of them is a team. Um, but. Uh, uh, and and this time, I mean, I guess we can say Michael Connolly has committed um, yep. to, to appear in this volume. Uh, some other re- really amazing authors, I don't know that we want to list them all, but sure. Sarah Paretsky, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Larry, Larry Niven, uh, science fiction god. Mm-hmm. Um, is yeah, this is, a,
1: this is a collection that's going to be, you know, a, a little different in the sense that most of the people in it are not even, um, you know, Absolute crime writers, other than Mike Connolly and Sarah, but you know uh, quite a few of them are off in the more either mainstream or uh science fiction realm, so it should be
0: interesting i'd like to um uh, you know what would be interesting is uh <laughs> is andy peterson um He's a uh he's a pretty good uh writer. He's got two under his belt right now. Um, he just got back from uh Afghanistan and, and uh, Kyrgyzstan with uh, Clive Kussler and, and uh Sandra Brown and uh he- I, li- I like his style myself. The other person would be Ridley Pearson, who's completely out of his mind. <laughs> I'm, when I when I interviewed Ridley, I I laughed the rest of the day. I mean, <laughs> that guy just had me in stitches. Absolutely amazing.
2: <laughs> well, we're we're uh, we're looking at a at an eclectic group, um, and uh, we we it's not the the it's not the slate isn't set completely yet, but so we don't want to announce all the names, but. Uh, yeah. We're very excited about it. It'll probably come out the end of
0: 2013. Oh, fa- um, fantastic. i got to wait a year, but that's okay. Oh, wow.
2: Now, meanwhile, for the hardcore fans, yes. Laurie and I have another book coming out uh, next week, uh, which is <laughs> hard to find no! unless you're a hardcore fan. <laughs> come on. Uh, but it's available on the bakerstreetjournal.com website. It's called The Grand Game, and it's a collection of classic Sherlockian scholarship uh it's uh it's not stories it's uh it's essays examining in minute detail uh <laughs> various aspects of the Sherlock Holmes stories over the last 50 years
0: oh wow well you wouldn't you would certainly not uh, enjoy that less since you're uh <laughs> right you are a con- you're a continuity freak <laughs> i mean yes, that, the, the, yeah the, uh,
2: this is uh, uh this is this is after my own heart uh, lots and lots of footnotes yeah and uh that's that's what life's all about yeah uh,
1: and it's not not bedtime reading material it weighs a ton
0: yeah <laughs> i bet i bet well, I, I love continuity in, in, in books and in movies. I mean, I always try to make sure that that pack of cigarettes was laying exactly where, the way it was or, you know, if, if the next paragraph picks off with the smoke-filled room or, you know, the creak in the door. I mean, I, I, that's what gets me excited <laughs> is are those little tiny details because I right. think, I think the subconscious picks up those little tiny details. We don't, we don't really notice it uh, you know, it's a disease, Greg. It's a disease. <laughs> well, um <laughs> I don't have anything to say about that. Yes, uh I probably do have a disease. <laughs> well listen, I um uh folks, uh Lori and Les, this has been uh this has been fun. Uh we we've got only a few seconds left here, but uh I um I appreciate you two coming on air. Um uh, your book at the local level—I got to tell you—you know—we're uh, we're a uh, a town of maybe fifty thousand, southeast corner of Idaho. We've got huge readership in this uh, in this area. Um, a study in Sherlock—I uh, put it in circulation about two weeks ago, and uh, this thing has got a, a line of about twelve right now on on hold, which is which is pretty darn good because most people don't even know we have it yet. Um, It's a great book, A Study in Sherlock, uh, stories inspired by the Holmes canon. Uh, This book is edited by Laurie King and Les Klinger. I want to thank both of you today uh, for coming on the show. And on behalf of the Marshall Public Library, this is Greg Grasso thanking Laurie King and Les Klinger. Thank you. Keep reading and take care.